Today, we're going to be looking at influence and perspective. And that's the kind of influence or the kind of perspective, the freed and waiting for our better freedom, right? Our true and ultimate freedom being in heaven. We're free now, but man, we're waiting for that other thing. We're saved now, but we're waiting our salvation. It's, it's that duality again. I'm, some days, you know, you might be more ready than others to go home, home. But we're already home in Christ. Go to Matthew 13. This is where we're going to take a couple things and look at influence. You probably all know you have lots of influence. Even if you think you don't, you do have influence over people and you can't influence people around you. It's, it's something you don't even try to do sometimes. It's just who you are, what you do, and that, that influence, uh, influences others. But the opportunity to show God's grace, and that's what we've been talking about in the beyond the second mile, when we're going beyond with Christ, the opportunity to show God's grace to others means that our influence is important. So I want to look at just two things with, about influence, and they're not directly related to these parables here, because I think the, the parables that Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 13, he's looking at, at the growth of the kingdom, and, and these all talk about the growth of the kingdom in hearts of men here. And how that affects man and how the kingdom grows. But it also gives me some ideas about influence. Look at chapter 13, verses 31 and 32 for the first part here. Because our influence should be a godly influence. If we're going beyond the second mile, if we're looking more like Christ, then the way we influence people and the impressions that we leave should be an impression that that man, that woman... There's something different about them. They're loving. They're caring. They show mercy. They do, they do, there's something about them that is not maybe normal, something that will point them to Christ. 31 and 32 of chapter 13. He presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field. And this is smaller than all other seeds. But when it is full grown, it is larger than the garden plants and becomes a tree. So that the birds of the air... Come and nest in its branches. Now, this one here, this is, for me, awareness. In, in, in our influence, we have to be aware of influence. And, and why I say awareness is because something so small can be so big. I need to be aware of who I'm influencing because my small little thing either good or bad, could have a dramatic effect on the person that I'm around. I may not even think about it, but I've influenced them in a, in a either wrong or, or good, and I've done such a small little thing. One small little chance to show a little bit of God's grace to them could influence them greatly. On the other hand, if I'm a jerk, if I'm having an off day and I'm a, I'm a jerk to that person, it could go the exact opposite way. This is that awareness. If our identity is rooted in Christ, then we need to be aware that our influence can have a huge effect even though we're doing small things. Just a simple thing for Christ or just a simple thing for myself. But I can dramatically affect somebody else's life. And, and I think we, we've talked about you know, looking for opportunities to show God's grace and, and that those are all great and good. 
And I think we should be looking for those every day. And, and it should be a, a natural outflow of who we are. We do these things because Christ died for me. And that's, that's it. It's, it's no more. It's, no, it's not self-serving. But just being aware of good service opportunities is not enough, I think. What do we need to do with those opportunities? Does anybody have any, any, any thoughts on that? Just being aware of, of that guy on the street corner, that's not enough. Just being aware that I can do that is not enough. Just doing that is not enough. What else needs to happen? Compassion. compassion? Okay. And compassion might, might lead you to do that good thing for that person. In the name of Christ. There, there is it. In the name of Christ. What are, why are we doing that good thing? We're doing it because it's been done to us. So just being aware of service opportunities is not the end goal. And in fact, just doing them is not the end goal. It is to lead someone to Christ. That's the end goal. To show them Christ. We could do good deeds all day. But if we don't show them Jesus Christ, then we really haven't done much at all. It needs to connect people to Jesus Christ. And I think that's just, again, another outflow of who we are in Christ. And that's not, you know, every case, you may not be able to immediately connect that person to Jesus. I understand that. And, and you may not get back to that person. But our goal should not be just to do good things. Our, our goal needs to be, I'm aware of, of my influence here. My influence can, can influence this person for Christ, and that's who I need to point to. Not to just, I want to fill your belly today, but I want to tell you about a Christ that can take away sins. So the awareness... That my influence, big or small, bad or good, it's going to have an effect somewhere on someone, somehow. Number two is authenticity. I think if we're not authentic, then, then we're kind of losing out. And I, I've been told a couple times, more, more times I think than I can count, that, that I sometimes I've said too much in the pulpit. Um, personal things, I guess. Some people don't like authenticity, you know. And and I, I have a tendency to be uh, kind of real. I, well, I try to be. I try to be real. I try to be real, even if it's even if it's ugly. Not not rude, ugly, but I mean my, you know, not my pristine side that you see every Sunday here, dressed in a nice suit, but my real side, you know. I make mistakes. Amen. I do. Oh, okay. Okay. We all do, yes. <laughs> I thought you were just amen in my mistakes. I know, sister. You wouldn't. But it was a good it was a good time to have a laugh. But the authenticity, I try to be authentic. And I want to be authentic with you because if I can't be authentic with you, then what's the point? If we can't be authentic with each other, because we all know, like you said, we all know we make mistakes. I can stand up here and look like a preacher and talk like a preacher, but if I'm not authentic, then it's not really going to connect, I think, with people. And I, I, I want to connect. So authenticity here, and, and I look at, uh, again, that same chapter, verses 24 through 30, and see some authenticity. This is the one that was already read this morning about the tares, the wheat and the tares. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field, you know, and the enemy comes in there, right? Sows this stuff, and the wheat comes up, but then there's some weeds in there. And I thought when, when Art was reading that, I was thinking, 
Yeah, I think that too. How do those weeds always get in so easy? And they grow so well, so fast. And nobody's really, really planting those weeds, at least in my, my, my yard. But they, they show up anyway. This authenticity and this wheat and these tares here, we know as Christians that we are living in a world that not everybody that we encounter believes. And you probably see that on a daily basis. Not everybody's going to believe. Not everybody even wants to believe. And we live side by side with these people. So in the authenticity part of our influence, as we live with people who are not believers, it's important to be authentic. It's important to, to, to not have that holier-than-thou attitude that I'm going to beat you over the head with the Bible that I don't even follow completely because I'm just like you. I make mistakes. And the person that doesn't believe, they make mistakes. The only difference is, well, one's forgiven, one's not. But we're, we're basically the same here in the Department of Mistakes. And I need to be authentic enough to say, I do make those mistakes. And I'll even let you see my mistakes. The difference between that or me and you is, I know who takes care of my mistakes. I know who holds me in his hand. And when I make those mistakes, I can make up for those mistakes by showing you, this is the Jesus that takes care of my mistakes. I might fall prey to the world's agenda. I might fall down right in front of you. But I'm going to get back up and Jesus Christ is going to dust me off. And then I'm going to show you the one who dusted me off. I'm going to be authentic with somebody who's walking right next to me that doesn't even believe. They need to know that we do make mistakes. They need to understand that when we do make mistakes, we turn to Christ. And we have another opportunity to be that, be that beyond the second mile person and say, we make mistakes. In fact, I've told uh, many times in my sermons about the button that my mom used to wear that had uh, the, just the initials, but it was, please be patient with me. God isn't finished with me yet. Or something along those lines. And that's so very true. Please be patient with me. God's still working on me. You're going to see it. And if I'm authentic, you're going to see it. And that influence, I think, of being authentically true and, and real with people and letting them know, yeah, we do make mistakes, but this is the guy who takes care of our mistakes. Let me show you him. So in, in the influence, I want to be aware of my influence and I want to be authentic in my influence. And I think Jesus was aware and authentic in his influence. Which leads us to the second half of this lesson, the perspective part. And just turn your Bibles over to chapter 14 for that, the perspective. Because we're going to look at something that you're probably extremely familiar with. Verses 13 through 21 specifically. And we're actually going to look at this one and then John's account too. Because John adds some good details here that, that we're going to going to borrow from, from the John to, to look at perspective. So the road that you and I are walking today in Christ is not measured in miles. It's measured in opportunities. How many opportunities is God going to give you and me? How many opportunities is going to give me to be the person that he's called me to be? He gives me those every single day. Look at verse 13. It says, now when Jesus heard it, and he's talking about just what happened earlier here about John the Baptist having been uh, killed. So Jesus has just heard this news. He withdrew from there in a boat to a lonely place by himself. And when the multitudes heard of this, 
They respected his privacy and left him alone because he wanted time alone. <laughs> yeah, they followed him. They, they found out where he was, and they followed him on foot from the cities. And when he, went, when he went ashore, he saw a great multitude and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. And when it was evening, the disciples came to him saying, this place, The place is desolate, and the time has already passed. So send the multitudes away, that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, We have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, Bring them to me. And ordering the multitudes to recline on the grass, he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food, and breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the multitudes. And they all ate and were satisfied. They picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, twelve full baskets. And there were about 5,000 men who ate, aside from women and children. A lot of people fed there. A lot of people. Now, in, in this perspective part, one of the things I think we need to, to always remember, too, in, in looking to be able to go beyond the second mile and to have that influence and all the things that we've talked about leading up to here, to be people who are looking like Christ, the opportunities that he gives us is not so much about what we do as it is about what God is doing through us. Because if I'm just looking for opportunities and I'm the one doing it, and I've got this me-centered attitude here, then, then I'm going to be missing God's bigger picture, which is, what is he going to do through me? What is he going to lead me to? God is going to always be able to give us more than we imagine, more than we can possibly think, the good things to do. But I need to have my eyes open, that it's not me doing these things. It's God doing them through me. It's an opportunity, again, to show the grace and the mercy of Christ that I've experienced to somebody else. So I want to look at three perspectives here in this story. Jesus' perspective, the disciples' perspective, and then the crowd's perspective when it talks about all the way they, they handle this situation. And I want to see you. Where do you fit in here in your perspective of going beyond the second mile? When you see opportunities, how does that affect you? And what is your perspective when you see that guy in McDonald's, when you see that guy on the corner, when you see that person on the side of the road, or when you just see your family member. How does this affect your perspective? The first one I want to look at is Jesus. And he sees these, Jesus would be these circumstances and opportunity. He sees these things all the time. And Jesus knows what he's doing. He capitalizes on them and gives us a very good example of what we should be when we see these things. What is Jesus when this story starts out? Sad? Hurting, maybe a little tired. He, he needs some time alone anyway. He, he needs some time alone, and he tries to find some time alone here. He's tired. He's, 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 he's hurting. He's, he needs time alone. And he looks around, and instead of time alone, he's got a whole bunch of people coming to him, and he sees these people, and what does he see? A need. And I think he sees a need on two levels here. What's the surface level need? Physical hunger, yeah. And the deeper need is these people are sheep without a shepherd. They need someone. They need me. They need God. There's, there's this surface level need and then there's this deeper 
need here. Jesus is seeing this circumstance and he's seeing this opportunity, even though he's withdrawn himself and he wants to spend some time alone. There's an opportunity happening right now to meet a surface level need and a deeper need. And Jesus says, I'll do that. And what would you expect Jesus to say? I mean, you don't expect him to actually say, no, I don't want you around. He's going to take advantage of this opportunity. He sees this. And what do we see when we see these kinds of opportunities come up? Beyond the second mile people, honestly, what do you see when you see people out there? Do you see a surface level need and then the deeper need? Or do we stop at the surface level need and say, well, I fixed that and good on you, mate. There's two types of needs here that Jesus sees, and he sees the opportunity, and not only does he see it, but he takes advantage of it. That, that willingness to go beyond the second mile means that when I'm tired, when I want to be alone, which is tough for me because I'm that introverted guy, and when I want to be alone, I want to be alone. <laughs> I need that time alone to recharge, to, to feel good, to get back to normal. And sometimes that's exactly when things happen, too. When I want my time alone, it really ticks me off sometimes, to be honest, because I'm, I'm ready for me time. But God is sending me an opportunity. And what's my perspective on that opportunity? It's either, okay, this is an opportunity to show your grace and your mercy. Or is it, no, man, I need my time alone. I'm done. Jesus is, is needing time alone, but he says, nope. I'm going to take this opportunity to show you not only how I can meet your surface need, but how I can meet your deeper need here too. I'm going to give you that, that perspective that Jesus sees there. And he calls us, I think, through that perspective to have that exact same perspective of us and, and what we do and where we go and what we, what we go through. We need to have a Jesus perspective here. But then you look at the disciples. And the disciples are seeing the exact same thing. But what is their perspective of this event? What do you guys think? What, what are the disciples, what, what is their perspective right now? What's that? Protective of, of Christ? Okay, yeah, maybe a little because they're saying, you know, send him away. Maybe. Anybody else? Selfish? Okay, maybe a little Selfish. Okay, so they, yeah, they, they see an immediate physical need and they want them to take 